Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. New CDC guidelines allow fully vaccinated people to gather indoors without masks or social distancing. The thing is, how often is everybody in a room vaccinated? Many of us are still waiting to get our shots. In this strange in-between time, we'll discuss medically sound protocols for masking up and social distancing. And we want your questions. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us at forum at kqed.org. And joining me now to talk about the new protocols is Dr. Peter Chin Hong, infectious disease specialist at UCSF Medical Center. Welcome, Dr. Chin Hong. Thanks for having me on, Mina. (laughs) Really appreciate you being here. And just to remind listeners, so the new CDC guidance says that fully vaccinated people, meaning two weeks after their shot, can be indoors and maskless with unvaccinated people, and that Two adults who are fully vaccinated can also gather together uh, indoors, maskless, and without social distancing. So first of all, can I get your reaction to those new CDC guidelines? Do you agree with them? Do you think we're ready for this? I think we're completely ready, and I couldn't agree more with the CDC guidelines. And that's because you feel strongly that we have enough information about whether or not people who are fully vaccinated uh, do not spread uh, COVID-19 as readily? Um, For several reasons. First of all, I think there is information that, you know, these vaccines are are pretty effective. And I think that in a small and controlled setting, the statistical likelihood of a vaccinated person um, spreading it to, again, somebody at low risk of getting COVID um, is going to be very small. And again, in, in a controlled setting, vaccinated people in a small group uh, hanging out together would have very likelihood, low likelihood of either uh, getting COVID or transmitting COVID uh, to each other. And the CDC is also recommending, though, that people who are fully vaccinated continue to wear masks when they're outdoors or engaging with the public. Why is this so important? And do you think that this messaging combined with the messaging that we've gotten about fully vaccinated people being allowed to engage indoors without social distancing, that it could potentially confuse or muddle the situation? I think it it probably results in more benefit than harm. And the reason is that I think nuanced messaging, instead of saying uh, just don't do that or don't do drugs or don't have sex, I think meeting people halfway and giving them some victory or some light is so important. We've learned from the last surge in California that a blanket sledgehammer uh, response is not very productive in Mm. the community. So that, you know, meeting people halfway, and I think the CDC guidelines do this, is so important on so many uh, levels. 
What about the new guidance around nursing homes? Wanted to get your reaction to the fact that nursing home visits will allow unvaccinated guests to visit fully vaccinated residents. Can you tell me what you think about this and, and what you think is the rationale behind those rules as well? Well, I think the rationale, again, is, um, you know, several um, on from a biologic perspective, if the nursing home residents are are essentially having regional herd immunity, um, control visitors from the outside um, have very little chance of, first of all, getting COVID from that group and transmitting it to those uh, people in the in the nursing home residence, uh, residency home. But of course, the more households you have visiting, the higher the statistical likelihood that uh, something will go awry. But I think it also speaks uh, another aspect, another dimension of COVID that we've been seeing all along, which is that how important avoiding loneliness and hmm. visiting really gives as a therapeutic benefit. So the risk benefit is so in favor of the benefit when you think about um, people visiting their grandparents or their parents who haven't seen them for a year and you don't know when you're next going to see them either. So I think for so many reasons, uh, that guidance is critical. Well, we're talking with Dr. Peter Chin Hong about how and when to wear a mask now, especially in light of the new CDC guidance related to fully vaccinated people. And Jake in Oakland, join us. Hi, Jake. Taking my call, um, the other night it was raining and my wife's parents wanted us to come over for dinner inside. My wife's parents are older. They are um, people who are both fully vaccinated. They've had enough time left after their second shot, so they are fully vaccinated. But my wife and I are not. I'm an essential worker who still has to work out in the field significantly with people around me. And I'm just wondering if that would have been safe. I, I, we ended up, you know, postponing until we could have an outdoor meeting. They live nearby. It's not a, you know, it's not like a grandparents in a nursing home situation like you were just discussing. So it's okay to postpone a little bit. But I'm wondering if I made the right call there, if it would have been safe. Ah, thanks, Jake. I think there are two things that are operating there, Dr. Peter Chinhong, in terms of Jake's question. One is, is it safe for uh, Jake? And is it safe for Jake's parents? Yeah, so... I agree with that uh, dissection there, Mina. So let's think of Jake's scenario. So Jake and his wife are not vaccinated, but the parents are vis or potentially visiting who are both vaccinated. So when you look at the CDC guidelines, uh, that is a safe encounter. First of all, there are several features that would make it safe. It would be a controlled setting. Uh, there are not a ton of people in that uh, mixture from different households. It's one household. Uh, second uh, aspect that makes it safe is that, uh, you know, con even though Jake is an essential worker, assuming that Jake and his wife are not uh, don't have comorbid medical conditions or are elderly, then uh, uh, their chance of getting something uh, terrible or serious COVID would be lower and having mortality or death or, uh, again, an ICU visit, for example, so in that setting, uh, that would be a safe setting. If you flipped it around and say um, Jake and his wife uh, who were vaccinated for through one of the avenues in California were visiting their parents and because their parents are uh, bed bound, they couldn't get a vaccine. That would not be safe uh, because the parents would be at risk for potentially not just getting COVID, but getting serious COVID. 
And so you're explaining a couple things that are behind the CDC guidance, which is that uh, they're saying that vaccinated, unvaccinated people can be visited by maskless, fully vaccinated people if they're at a low risk of severe illness, which, you know, Jake and his spouse hopefully are. And you're also saying that uh, the fully vaccinated are probably less likely, uh, much less likely given the effectiveness of the vaccine to get anything from Jake and his spouse, uh, even though they are essential workers, just because the percentages have been quite good, right, in terms of avoiding severe illness and death with regard to the vaccines, Dr. Chin Hong. Yes. So when we think about the outcome that we care about the most right now, it's really uh, serious disease and yes. and as an extension, death. So if we think about that, that's for sure uh, very eff- effectively prevented. And, you know, from infection, there's probably a 5% chance with Pfizer Moderna that you're not going to um, have a response to not getting infected. But again, in a small setting, it's going to be statistically very small. Let me go to caller Cindy in Alameda. Hi, Cindy. Join us. Hi. I'm wondering if you can answer this question. Um, if one has been vaccinated with any of the three, actually, I'm hoping you'd respond to the situation with all three of the vaccines. Um, if you've already been vaccinated and you you do catch something that is mild, if you have a mild infection, um, what are the? is there any research out there that talks about still having long-haul syndrome, even though you've been vaccinated. Hmm. Cindy, thanks. Dr. Chin Hong? I think Cindy's asking a very avant-garde question and something that we don't know the answer to yet. But we do know that long-hauler syndrome is more common than we thought. And, um, you know, it can develop in people even with very mild symptoms. So I think uh, we need to follow people who've been vaccinated, who happen to get COVID, which will be a very, very small number, and see if they have uh, any of those similar, um, you know, responses. Um, I would say that most of the people who would potentially get COVID in the vaccinated group uh, would be possibly asymptomatic or mild. Uh, But it is an interesting question to to follow that group to see if any of them develop any of these chronic symptoms. My gut sense is that they probably won't. Um, You know, we haven't heard any reports from the tens of thousands of people in the original trials so far, which have a head start of us by about six to 12 months because it was studied and that data was accrued before it was released to the general public. So again, you know, crossing my fingers and hoping that 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 won't be the case. Mm. Well, this listener asks, so many people are still wearing masks outdoors and while exercising. Is this necessary? Um, So it just depends on the setting. So coming back to the CDC guidelines, if you're going out into general public in the general public um, where you're at risk for being in contact with other noses and mouths, um, you know, you would wear your mask like regular uh, like you regularly would. But if you're jogging on Ocean Beach and nobody's around or very few people are around or you're in Golden Gate Park probably it's not necessary to wear a mask um, unless somebody looks at you and you come close and you and they get very nervous. So then you like pull up your neck gather. 
We're talking about how and when to wear a mask with Dr. Peter Chin Hong, infectious disease specialist at UCSF Medical Center. And you can join us with your questions or scenarios at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. And Jean has a scenario, Dr. Chin Hong. Jean writes, we will have some vaccinated family members over for a weekend birthday party, but we are worried that one member will have spent the few days prior unmasked with some anti-maskers. We have one unvaccinated member of the family who will be in the house. How safe is it for all of us to be unmasked over the weekend? That is going to be a more difficult situation. And I think coming back to the CC guidelines again, if you're mixing different household members together, the more, more than one of vaccinated and unvaccinated, it probably would be a a good idea to continue being masked and and maybe have the birthday outdoors um, if you can kind of shield it from San Francisco wind and blow the candles out. But hopefully, um, you know, that will be the safest measure. I I probably would feel more nervous uh, with with uh, being maskless in that situation, especially with the added uh, complexity of spending time with uh, others who don't wear masks, at least with one of the, the potential guests. Well, Adrian writes, how are vaccinated people meant to interpret the CDC guidance on meeting with people at low risk for COVID complications? If age is a primary determining factor in outcomes, what age is safe for vaccinated people to mix with unvaccinated people indoors and maskless? Adrian, thanks. Yes, Dr. Chin Hong, what is meant by low risk? How should that be defined? It's a lot for people to try to manage. <laughs> it is a lot. And that was actually one of the first things I thought about yes. when I looked at those guidance. And that's why I thought the CDC guidelines were very bold, because the old days of the CDC, you know, from meeting a few months ago, they would have just said something, uh, you know, very black and white, like, if you don't know, wear a mask. But they're actually putting risk assessment in the into the hands of people in the community, which exactly. is unsettling for some people. And I totally get where Adrian is coming from. So I would say there is, if you're not sure, uh, wear the mask. I, I certainly think we all can identify the extreme risk people, uh, that older person, uh, older person with uh, comorbidities like heart disease, lung disease. Um, but certainly the people in the middle, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a, a judgment call. And I think that judgment is sometimes very hard for people to make. I think sometimes your healthcare provider can help you assess that if you, you know, if you can e-message them and, and get some advice or call the advice line, uh, they can help with that risk assessment as well. But I think it's easy for the black and white cases, but very hard for the gray cases. Well, let me go to Joe in Newark. Hi, Joe. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, this, I, I, it seems to me that the guidelines, the CDC guidelines, are hypocritical in the sense that it's saying that you can gather together in small groups with people who are even not vaccinated. So if the vaccine is allowing those who are vaccinated not to get terribly, very sick, they can still carry the disease and give it to the people who are not vaccinated and they they can go on and pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. So how does all of this, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't match with the, 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 the common sense that if, even if you're vaccinated, 
you can still have the disease and carry the disease and pass on the disease. Joe, thanks. And he is getting to something that we touched on earlier, Dr. Peter Chin Hong, about how confident we are that people who are fully vaccinated are much less likely to spread the virus to others. I mean, the very fact that they're saying gather with people who are low risk shows that that's still somewhat of an open question, though you can make assumptions, I guess. Yeah, so I think what is not really well communicated yet is that the tide of uh, the tides are turning in terms of the evidence that we are accruing about whether or not vaccinated people can actually transmit disease. And I think the CDC guidelines are really picking up on the accumulating evidence that this is true. So first of all, we have evidence from some of the trials um, uh, not the Pfizer trial specifically, but the even the, the Moderna trial, they didn't do it in the first shot, but for the second shot, they assess whether or not um, people right before their second shot, um, you know, if, you know, had asymptomatic transmission and because they swabbed them for the second shot, but not the, for the first. And there was a signal that that was true by about 70%. Then we're getting more and more evidence uh, from the J&J vaccine in the J&J vaccine trials, they did something really interesting. They um, checked to see if people had an antibody response um, in all their participants, so the vaccinated and the non-vaccinated. So they used the antibody response as a proxy for having uh, asymptomatic disease. And they showed that by using the J&J vaccine, you cut the level of asymptomatic, you know, you protect asymptomatic disease by about you know, 70%, which kind of mirrors the vaccine efficacy of the J&J vaccine. So it seems that, and again, when we say asymptomatic transmission, that is really the, the proxy for spreading disease because uh, that's the group that really uh, is the, the, the engine for, for spreading disease in, in the community. Mm. And then now we have population-based studies from Israel, a couple of studies from Israel and from the UK showing that uh, the vaccines on a population level actually prevent asymptomatic transmission. And I think that's the holy grail. If you have a vaccine that prevents asymptomatic uh, disease, the implication is that it prevents asymptomatic transmission. Well, but ultimately what I think, Joe, and, and what you are getting at is this is a question of what level of risk you're comfortable with. And if people are feeling uncomfortable, they can still continue to don a mask uh, despite the CDC CDC guidance. Really quickly, one last question in the last minute we have from this listener who asks, are bandanas effective as masks? What are your thoughts on double masking? That's a great question and something I, I've thought about a lot. Um, I think it depends on the context. So, and it depends on, again, the overall comment is masks are just one thing that we do to protect ourselves and it's not the holy grail it's an important measure not everything secondly if you're going into a risky environment like indoor setting or if your your job requires that you stay indoors see your restaurant worker who hasn't been vaccinated or you know uh, some other job you'd want to protect yourself exclamation point in that case you want to make sure your mask game is 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 the highest is the best if you're out in the bout in the street, it doesn't really matter uh, what mask you wear. 
uh, in it in that in that scary setting, you definitely want a double mask or at least wear a good surgical mask. Mm. Well, Dr. Chin Hong, really appreciate you sharing your insights today. Peter Chin Hong, infectious disease specialist at UCSF. Thanks so much. Thanks to Tina Lauberg for producing today's segments and to our listeners for their questions and scenarios. I'm Mina Kim. You've been listening to Forum. Stay with us. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.